0: Hey, this is Jason Hansen. I'm the lead pastor at Anchor Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope that as you listen, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus to live for Him, to tell others about Him. Thank you for joining us. I hope that you're encouraged. Thank you for being here. Thank you for jumping into the series with us. We are in a series, as Tyler said, called Advent, Anticipating the Arrival of Jesus. And really what we want to be thinking is, what is it about uh, Jesus and the arrival of him, the Messiah coming, what is it about that that we should anticipate? Why should we be excited about it? Why should the Old Testament saints have been excited about it? And why should, why should we as well? We're going to jump into this. Uh, a couple years ago, um, if you've been around Phoenix for any, any time, uh, you know that, that every summer, except this past summer, which was a little bit of an anomaly, uh, we get big dust storms that, that roll in. You know what I mean, right? I think I have a picture of one of them. Uh, you, know what it, you know what it looks like? They just kind of come across the city, and you can see it in the distance, and you can smell it. You ever smell it? You just kind of smell like, uh, something's coming, like this isn't good. I was out, I was riding my bike, I think I was taking uh, one of my dogs uh, for a bike ride. It was hot, you know, in the summer, and so getting about dusk, I uh, thought, I'm just going to, you know, it's cool enough for on his feet. So taking him on a bike ride, and uh, I started to smell the smell. And I'm looking around going, where's that coming from? There's a dust storm coming somewhere. And I, I saw it in the distance. I thought, I got plenty of time. Like, this is, you know, it's, it's far away. I'll just finish my bike ride and get home. But before you knew it, pretty quickly, the the smell uh, increased. The wind started to increase. And I looked back, and it was right on top of me. That massive thing of dust. It's coming, right? And if if you've been in one of those, you know sometimes rain hits, sometimes there's a ton of, a lot of wind that comes. It it hurts your skin if you're out in it. Uh, You just get just pelted by all this sand. And so I start riding my bike as fast as I could. I just wanted to make it to the house. I just thought, just get in the house. I don't want to be caught in this, in this thing. It's coming through. The wind's blowing. It's, it's starting to hit me. And I get inside. And as soon as I get inside, you know, the, it comes past. The rain comes down. But I'm safe. I was, I was almost caught in it. But I'm safe. I found a refuge. I found, a, I found some, some shelter. There was peace inside. Outside, it was... It was you know, I don't, I don't want to say destruction, but it was, it was nasty out there. You know, there' was trees top, toppled over and there was things like that happening. The inside of the house was a place for me to rest. It was a place for me to find a shelter from the storm, to find a, a sense of peace and calm inside. Outside's a different story, but I found a refuge. I found some hope. I found something uh, inside for that. And as we think about the Christian life, and as we think about this series, the first message that we had in the series was from Genesis 3, that, that we, we uh, fell, we, we, we started making our own rules. Remember we talked about how sin isn't just uh, rule breaking, but it's actually rule making. We say, I don't want to do what God wants to do. I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's sin that sin comes into the world, and Tyler last week talked about justice and the reality that God is just, and there needs to be then, as we stand against God, there needs to be uh, um, some sort of um, just retribution, or not retribution, judgment be a better word, just judgment for that rebellion, for our own rule-breaking and rule-making and saying we don't want to do what God wants to do. There has to be some judgment for that if God is just, and he is. So that leaves us in a weird spot because judgment then is coming for all who sin. And we're going to see here in Psalm 2 that this is not something new or novel for us. This has been the case for a long time. And we also want to see that we have hope. See, one of the things about Christmas is that we have a refuge. Just like that storm being outside in it, judgment is a storm that's coming. It's on its way. It's coming, but there is a refuge from that storm. See, at Christmas time, it's not just a holiday. Christmas time is our time to celebrate the arrival of our refuge. And we find him in a manger. We find him on a hillside inside of, Bethel, inside of Bethlehem. We find him surrounded by shepherds. We find him having uh, three astrologers come from the far east to find him to try and figure out who this person is, what's going on. We can find him in the New Testament a number of times. Uh, in the temple, we find him with disciples. We find him in, uh, the sea, uh, by the Sea of Galilee. We find him eventually on a cross, and we will not find him in a tomb because he's risen. And we, we get this. This is Jesus Christ. The Psalm 2 is about Jesus. Christmas is our time to celebrate the arrival of our refuge. We want to make sure we get this because it helps put Christmas in context. We want to make sure we understand this because it helps us to understand what Christmas is about. Why should we celebrate it? Why do we anticipate Jesus coming every single year? Why did the Old Testament saints uh, anticipate him coming? Why in Psalm 2 is there an anticipation of him coming? And you might think to yourself, this is a Christmas sermon, right? We're talking about judgment. seems a little odd, right? thing joyful things maybe Christmas time. We're going to go judgment. Here we are. This is the Christmas, a Christmas sermon for you this morning. I think that we want to know that, that judgment actually does bring us uh, joy if we are in Christ. Because that's what actually helps us to understand what it is to be, uh, be able to sing the song, Joy to the World. Why? Because the Lord has come. And there's a refuge from the coming storm of judgment. We want to we take a look at that this morning. We're going we're gonna to break it down. I'm going to read it. We're going to break it down, and we'll just, we'll just live, we'll figure out how we can live it out a little bit here as we anticipate Christmas. So I'm going to read Psalm 2. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we'll break it down and, live, and talk about how we can live it out. Psalm chapter 2. Christmas is our time to celebrate the arrival of our refuge. who take refuge in him. This psalm is a, a psalm of David. We know that from Acts chapter 4. They tell us that it's, it's a psalm of David, the king, the great king of Israel. And this is a psalm also uh, about Jesus. This is referenced three times in the New Testament, specifically about Jesus quoted. It's also referenced uh, another, at least one more time in Mark uh, where, where God tells everybody, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It's referenced in the beginning of, of Mark. So this is specifically about Jesus, which makes it, uh, which makes it all the more uh, appealing for us to read that last line of this psalm. Blessed are all who take refuge in him and whom. Who's the him? And we know, because I just said it, hopefully you're we listening, uh, the him is Jesus himself. Now Psalms Psalms are poems, they're songs, and so maybe this is the first time you're reading a, a Psalm. Maybe you're not, uh, maybe you're not familiar with the Scriptures. You haven't been around church for very long. If you're watching from home, or maybe if you're, in, you're in this room, but you know you, you take a look at this and it looks different, doesn't it, than other texts of the Bible? This is this is written in pro in um, poetry form, and so it doesn't have this you know it doesn't have the flow maybe that we're used to. And so I think a lot of times Psalms, if we're not uh, diligent to, to think about it and pull it apart, it can be confusing because you, it seems like it's all in different places. I mean, we're talking about kings and then we're talking about the Lord and then all of a sudden we're talking about who's talking here in, chapter, in verse 7. Like, what's happening right now? It can be confusing. So I just want to, let's just break it down. Let's break it down and figure out what this is saying and how we can then apply it to our lives. This psalm begins With the nations, the kings and the rulers and the nations. Actually, Psalm 2 is a continuation uh, of Psalm 1 in, in, in the old ancient texts, in the Talmud. It's, it's actually a continuation of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is about an individual, blessed is the one who does this. This then moves in Psalm 2 to the whole world, to the nations and the kings and the rulers. We're talking about a multitude of people here, not just one individual. And the question that's asked by the writer is, why do the nations rage? Why? Why do the nations rage? Why do these, these kings, they, they, they set themselves and the peoples are plotting in vain and they're taking counsel together. They're doing all of these things in opposition to the Lord, standing in their own sinfulness and their own rule-making ways. They don't want to be ruled by anybody. They don't, want to be, they don't want to have someone tell them what to do. They don't have someone tell them how to live and how to think. They don't want a, a God over them that's saying, hey, this is how you ought to live your life. They don't need a law. They don't want any of those things. They want to say, I want to go my own way and do my own thing and make my own rules, which we know that because we already talked about Genesis 3 two weeks ago. And Adam and Eve, they, they said, I don't want to listen to you. I'm going to do my own thing. And this just continues throughout the history of the ages and generations of people continue in this line of thinking. And these kings and these rulers and these people are no different. They are standing opposed to God Almighty. But here's the problem, is that God Almighty is not divorced from the people, God Almighty is holy. Not only that, God Almighty's the maker. God Almighty is the creator. And these are his creatures. And they're saying, we don't want to listen to you. And we talked about God being just, that creates a problem. Because any, any single person that sins or stands against the Lord, uh, there's got to be justice done. There's got to be justice done. There has to be a judgment that takes place against sin, against the individuals that stand opposed to him. And we see in verse 4 that God himself, he sits in the heavens and he laughs. And this isn't a jovial laugh. This isn't like a Santa Claus laugh. Like, ha, ha, ha. It's like, this, is this isn't that kind of laugh, right? This is a derisive laugh, meaning that there's, there's contempt. So I was thinking about how to even think through this. I thought, you know, there's, a, there's an old movie called The Terminator, um, now, if, if you haven't seen The Terminator and you're like a teenager, don't go home and say, Pastor Jason said I can watch The Terminator. Didn't say it, all right? Parental discretion advised, all right, on, the, on that movie. But, but there's, this, there's this movie called The Terminator, and it's about people who made, uh, who made machines, who then got smart, and they began to try and kill all the people. That's kind of the movie. They just they, they they stood in opposition to the ones that made them. They said, I don't I don't want to listen to you anymore. We're gonna actually gonna take over here. That is not what's happening here with the Lord laughing, okay? Here's what would be more accurate. It'd be like if you or I made a machine that was the size of a Lego. And the Legos began to rebel. These little guys with like Nerf guns shooting at the soles of your shoes. And they're saying, we're going to take over. And if you stand up and you're looking at the little Lego guy you made and it came to life and it's shooting at your feet, you'd look at it and you'd say, who do you think you are? Like, who who do you think you are? First of all, I made you. Second, who are you to rebel? And who do you think that you are that you can actually take over me? You'd probably just like, just one step is all it takes. Who do you think you are? That's what the Lord's saying. He's laughing in derision. Who do you think you are, O nations? Who do you think you are, kings? Who do you think you are, rulers? Because I made you, you rebelled against me. And not only that, but but let me say something to you. And what he says to them is terrifying to them. Do you see what it says? He he terrifies them in his fury over being, uh, over his creation, rebelling against him, He, he terrifies them by saying this, I have set my king over you. Look, you think you're a king, kings? You think you're ruler, rulers? Nations, you think you're something? I'm gonna tell you something, and this is gonna be terrifying. I have a king, and he's reigning, and he's ruling. Not only that, but he's my son. Not only that, but he, he's a son here. He's my son, and he's my king, and he will rule and reign. And this brings terror on the nations once they understand what's going on. There is a ruler over the rulers. There is a king over the kings. We saw this a little bit in Esther, didn't we, if you've been with us? King, you know, you know the king there, uh, he's ruling over everything, apparently. But who's really doing the ruling? the real king of kings, guiding steps and moving in ways that he doesn't understand. This is still what's happening here. He terrifies them by sending his son, the true king. He tells them, I'm gonna set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And then we have actually a a word from the king himself, from the son. He says, I'm gonna tell the decree. The Lord said to me, so, so, God Almighty, this is the Son talking. The baby in a manger. This is the Son talking. You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. you. You will take the nations. You're going to make them my heritage. They're mine. Look, all these nations that are raging, they aren't independent. They belong to the King. And they set themselves still against Him. But he will break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like little Lego guys. This is what's happening. There's this reality that the psalmist is bringing to the nations and the kings and the rulers who have set themselves against the Lord. And he's saying, You should be terrified because of how you're standing against him. Now you're thinking, This is a Christmas message. It is a Christmas message. You know why? Because the psalm does not end here in verse 9. The psalm does not end here in verse 9. Listen, God could have ended that psalm right there and been totally just. He could have ended it in verse 9. He could have said, this is it. This is over. He doesn't do that. There is a verse 10 and 11 and 12, which is the grace of God. God for you and me. This is an, actually it's an act of mercy that he goes on in verses 10 through 12. This is an act of God's mercy and kindness. Now therefore, so the reality that there is, there is this King that set over things, God Almighty, He's laughing at their at their contempt. Why do you think you stand against me? Their judgment is coming, the storm of judgment's gonna come against the nations and the rulers and the kings, and they're terrified in, in the with the fury of the Lord, because the Son is coming. The King is coming, this is where we stand. But now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. There's still time to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Look, there's judgment coming, but but serve the Lord. God Almighty has set his son, the king, over Zion, over his holy hill to rule all of the nations, all of the kings. You can serve the Lord. Rejoicing with uh, trembling, which is an odd thing to say, isn't it? Rejoice with trembling. Have a lot of joy with trembling. Why? Why? Because he's God Almighty, and we walk him, we come and we say, "Look, there is joy to be had here as I serve the Lord and serve the King." But, but there is—I'm I'm tentative a little bit because I, I understand my place, I understand where I am, and he says, "Kiss the sun," which is an odd phrase. All that means is is bow down, pay homage to him. Kiss the sun, and maybe it's like a kissing the ring of the king or something like that. We want to actually pay homage to him. In other words, be like the shepherds on the hillside who came into his presence and worshipped him. Be like the wise men, the astrologers from the east who came in and offered him gifts. Be like the ones who come before him and lay their lives down for him because he is worthy He's worthy of it, church. He's worthy of all of our worship. He's worthy of all of our praise. And he invites us to come. He doesn't stand as far off. He invites us to come. Sometimes we can think of him as, you know, we we sin and we go our own way, even as Christians. And we can picture God as being the person or somebody that's saying, you better get away from me. There there is a reality. That is coming. There is a judgment coming. But that is not how he stands with us now. You know how he stands with us now? We read in the New Testament. He doesn't say, run from me, everybody. He says, come to me, everybody. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest for your souls. I am here for you. And this is what we see here at the end of chapter, chapter, uh, Psalm 2, uh, in verses 11 and 12. Come to me. Look, there is a time that judgment's coming. It is not today. You still have time run to the sun, kiss the sun. His anger will be kindled. It's going to happen at some point. There will be judgment, just judgment against sin and rebellion. That's going to happen, but it's not today. Today is an opportunity, nations and kings and rulers and Gilbertonians and people in the East Valley to come to the Lord. With fear and trembling and rejoicing, because there is hope to be had here in the Son. There is hope to be had, had here. And this is why it says that blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Listen, in the manger wasn't just a baby, in the manger was a refuge. The baby in the manger still held the world together by the word of His power. It's one of the mysteries of the Incarnation. The baby in the manger, helpless, needed diapers changed, needed to be fed, couldn't speak, still spoke the moon into place. And and we we need to grapple with that as we think about the birth of Christ. It's one of the things that that we just should be pondering. Wait a second, what is the incarnation? God Almighty, the one who speaks everything into existence and holds all of the universe together by the word of his power, can't speak? In a manger? Can't walk? It's the, it's the mystery of the incarnation and we just want to grab onto it and love it at Christmas time. Understand it. That is mercy. That is kindness. That is grace for you and me. That's what, that's what God did in his son. Listen, why is he a refuge? Because, church, the nations rage. You and I are a part of the nations. It's not as though we, It's not as though, oh, this is a long time ago. Well, it is a long time ago, it continues to today. The nations are still raging, aren't they? The nations rage and and the kings, they plot in vain and there's a judgment coming. Which is why as we think about this grace and this goodness, we want to rejoice that we have a refuge. Like me trying trying to make it inside and find a refuge in the midst of a storm, the storm of judgment's coming. And there is a refuge. It's found in Jesus Christ. It's found in Jesus Christ where we have hope and peace and calm and joy. And we find a lot of comfort there in Him. This is why we this is why we actually see Him as our Savior. We, we, sing, this, we sing this a lot of times, we're going to talk about it more next week in Christmas songs. We sing about it in a lot of songs, but. You know, we think about the word Savior. Why? Because he saves us from impending judgment. This is why he is the Savior. This is why we, we love the gospel. This is why the gospel is called good news. It is good news. There's judgment coming. But God sent his son. Before he sits him on his uh, Zion hill to judge, he sends him to a manger in Bethlehem to save. And church, we sit. Uh, saved, if you are a Christian, in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is the good news of the gospel. This is what we celebrate. I think sometimes we can actually get to the spot of thinking, okay, we're Christians, we don't need the gospel anymore. You know, the gospel's for non-Christians. By the way, if you're a Christian in this room, if you're not a Christian in this room, or you're watching at home, let me say this. This good news, it's free. This good news is free for you. Isn't that? That is good news. Don't we all love free stuff? I mean, raise your hand if you don't love free stuff. We all love free stuff, right? You go anywhere and someone goes, hey, uh, there's free. One time when, I, when we were uh, in high school, uh, Taco Bell, the, the, the really high-end restaurant, Taco Bell was giving away free tacos. I'm sure that they thought, okay, someone will come in buy a taco. They'll probably buy a second taco and a drink and we'll make some money. Not on us. We went to every Taco Bell we could find and just got a free taco. We got like six tacos each going through this line. And as we were coming outside, we, we just got our free taco and we went to walk out and there was a dad with his little daughter next to him. As soon as we walked past him, he goes, okay, so this is a lesson on what it means to be cheap. He said that to his daughter. We thought, yeah, that's probably true. Like we're just buying and getting free stuff. Who doesn't love free stuff? We all love free stuff. There is no greater free gift than the gift of Jesus Christ. And if you're, if you're in this room and you're not a Christian, it's for you. If you're at home watching the live stream, it's for you. You can, you can come and find this shelter from the coming judgment anytime you want. Kiss the Son, the psalm says. Kiss the Son. Blessed are all who find refuge in Him. Blessed are you if you find refuge in Him. Christian, blessed are you. Blessed are you if you find refuge in Him. This is a beatitude. Blessed are you. If you have found refuge in the sun, Christmas is our time to celebrate church. Christmas is our time to celebrate the arrival of our refuge in the manger. It's, it's one of the reasons why we celebrate it. We, we don't just celebrate it as, oh yeah, it's nice to think about Jesus. No, we, we have a refuge. We have hope and we have joy in him. How do we live this out? How do we think about this? Because like I said, the gospel is not just for non-Christians. I mean, it is for non-Christians, but the gospel is for you. The gospel helps us actually mature in Christ. We, we think about what does it mean to apply the gospel, to apply the reality that there is judgment out there, but I'm sitting right now in a refuge. The only reason I'm not a part of that judgment is because I'm in, I'm in Jesus. I have joy in him. That's, that speaks to me. On a daily basis, because I don't know about you, I'm still tempted to sin. I'm still tempted to to go my own way and make my own rules and do my own thing, but I have hope in Christ. We want to make sure that we understand this. Two ways to live this out. The first one is this. In the next two weeks, as you lead up to Christmas, ponder the storm of judgment. Again, well, that's a nice Christmas message. Ponder the storm of judgment. Ponder it in your in your readings. If you have a devotional life, a quiet time life, which all that means, maybe you're new to the church. All that means is that just, is there a time that you sit down in a quiet place, open up your Bible, read it, spend some time in prayer? What does that look like for you? In your prayer times, quiet times, as you're cross-referencing things in the Bible, I hope you do. If you never cross reference anything, it's those little, you know those little letters in there? Man, there, there's a wealth of information. There's a wealth, that's awesome. If you can do that, do it. Cross-reference, do all of that, and think about the judgment, Because if we don't remember what we're saved from, we're going to have less joy as we think about it. If we don't remember what we're saved from, why why are we even in a refuge? Why are we blessed? If we don't know what we're protected from, which is coming judgment, I think it diminishes our joy in Christ and our love for him and our appreciation for his working in us. And, and, and we don't understand as, as clearly verses like, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. For what purpose? That whoever believes in him would not what? Perish. But have what? Everlasting life. Look, this is, this is we're saved from the judgment. This is the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel. Ponder, uh, ponder the storm of Judgment. But church, don't just ponder the storm of judgment. Don't just stay there. Don't just say, oh, judgment's coming. That's too bad. Don't just stay there. Apply the good news. The next two weeks also, number two, ponder more. More than the judgment, the joy of your refuge. Ponder Jesus. Ponder Jesus. He was sent by the Father into this world as a baby to live life as a person like you and me experiencing all the weaknesses we have without sin he never went his own way dying to pay that penalty for us and rising from the dead and listen he he ain't dead he he's alive He's alive and he's reigning and he will return. And we want to make sure we understand all of this. See Jesus and the manger and his perfect life and the cross and the empty tomb. And remember, I am, a, I am in a refuge who is Jesus Christ the King. And I have joy in Jesus Christ the King. Listen, we, we are, uh, one of the things that we are here, one of our values is being passionately one. You might think, well, this is a better thing to apply, like, because we think about our values purposely biblical, which is what we are. I'm going to talk about being passionately one. You know why? Because nothing brings people together more than a shared experience. Especially when that shared experience is massive. It's life-changing. Nothing brings people together more than that. And we think about just just how we can think about this, a shared experience. Think about shared experiences you've, you've had. If I bring up something like September 11th, we could all remember where we were, right? It's a shared experience. We could talk about it and think about that. There's nothing that brings us together, no greater shared experience as the church, than the fact that we once were outside the refuge, we've all run into the refuge, and now we have refuge and we're all blessed because we're in the refuge, which is Jesus Christ. We've all found a savior. This should unite us. As you think about being passionately one, look, some of you don't like Christmas music. Sorry, I do. All right, we got some differences. Some of you hate Christmas movies. Sorry, you're wrong. I'm right. Some of, you, some of you don't like Disneyland. I don't know what to tell you. It's the happiest place on earth. What's there not to like? I've talked to you all. We're in COVID season. More serious things. Some of you disagree about stuff in this. We just had a contentious election. We disagree about stuff like this. There's a lot of things to disagree about these days. But church, if those things divide us, we have problems. Because we have a shared experience passionately one, in the fact that we're all in the refuge together. We all find ourselves in Jesus, amen? amen. There's something here that we need to make sure we are passionately one about the right things. We are passionately one about Christ. Listen, Jesus had a bunch of, a bunch of guys around him one of them was a zealot. One of them was a tax collector. Those are two different worlds. Why are they together? Because they're united around Christ. So are we. We have unity in Jesus. We want to make sure that we find that. We are passionately one around the reality that we are all in a refuge together. And he binds us together. We want to make sure we see it, grasp it, understand it. Even if Tyler doesn't like Christmas songs, which he doesn't what's wrong with you? <laughs> or Disneyland. He doesn't like Disneyland either. I'm talking about him all the time. Um, listen, we, we, are, we are united in the fact that we are all in a refuge church, passionately one. Listen, Christmas is our time to celebrate the arrival of our refuge. I'm the band up here as we close. We want to see Psalm 2 not just simply as a psalm talking about everybody's going to Be judged. I actually don't think that's the main aspect of this psalm. The main aspect is yes, judgment's coming. However, there is time. There is time. And if you find yourself in the refuge of Jesus Christ, the Son, the King of all, you're blessed. Church, we're blessed this morning. We are blessed this morning. We have so much hope. We have so much joy. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be grateful for. Christmas, the Christmas season, it, it should be, there should be nostalgia for the past. There should be, like, I love Christmas trees and Christmas, Doesn't not just the Christ, Christian Christmas songs. I like all of them, silver bells, great song. Love listening to it, but I'm united in the fact that I celebrate a baby being born who is the savior of the world, and so do you. Listen, as we think about these next couple weeks, think about the coming judgment, but not just leaving it there. Think about the fact that you are in a refuge from that storm. And God sent Jesus to be that refuge for you. Church, what would it be like if we just were, were people that not only just contained this within ourselves and thought, oh, this is, really, this is really good news. But as we walked out these doors, we thought, okay, who is it that needs to hear this? What if we all went outside and just said, who who needs to hear this at a a safe social distance? Um, But who needs to hear this? Because there's people all around us that need to hear this message. They think of Christmas as just a a Christmas tree and a uh, jolly old man coming down a chimney and they get to eat cookies, you know, like those kinds of things. They don't know there's a refuge they don't know they need one. What if we were a church that just constantly were outside saying, hey, find a refuge. His name's Jesus. He's born in a manger. You sing about him. Hark the Herald Angels sing. You're singing about him. Church, let's continue to press into that. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and we'll sing. Father, our our hope and joy is that we have a refuge. You've sent him to us we celebrate his sending his arrival at christmas it's a yearly remembrance remembrance and commemoration of the mystery revealed the mystery found in the manger and i just pray that as we go through this christmas season we would be a people that are constantly leaning in to and pressing into your kindness to us, your grace to us, your goodness to us, your love for us. Jesus, thank you that you don't say, run from me if you're a sinner, but you say, come to me. I pray that we would continue to see that, grow in that, understand that, all for your name and your glory. We ask and pray, amen. Okay. let stand together.